Hello and welcome to this Owl Explains Hootenanny, our podcast series where you can wise up on blockchain and Web3 as we talk to the people seeking to build a better internet. Owl Explains is powered by Avalabs, a blockchain software company and participant in the Avalanche ecosystem. My name is Silvia Sanchez, project manager of Owl Explains, and with that, I'll hand it over to today's amazing speakers. Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode uh, here on the Owl Explains Hootenanny. We are very excited today to have three very special guests uh, with us in uh, the studio talking to us today. Uh, the EU and, of course, Amika has been uh, throughout the news globally for the uh, landmark legislation that has been passed and the regulatory framework around uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies and digital assets. Depending on where you are located in the world, all of those terms mean different things. And uh, one of the great works that Mika has done is to help to start to add definitions to these terms and start to really build out um, real-life use cases. Uh, in many jurisdictions, many legislators or lawmakers, uh, regulators have been asking for use cases. And so we are excited today to be talking about the European Commission's sandbox that they have built specifically around uh, blockchain projects. And to that end, we have uh, our three guests. Uh, they are they each represent uh, various aspects of this uh, sandbox project. And so I think that they will each add a, a unique perspective that will uh, add value and uh, insight to uh, what is happening. We also uh, are excited to be able to talk about the types of projects that are participating uh, in, the, in the sandbox. And so while it's still early and uh, while the, the work is uh, just uh, uh, very beginning stages of, of what is developing here, very promising um, of the results that will be garnered. So we're excited um, to be able to jump into that with you all today. In the studio, we have, of course, uh, Helen Schopman. She's the deputy head of Unit Digital Markets for the U European Commission. We also have Yuji Devel. He's a senior consultant and at Oxygy. And of course, we have Marjolin Jush, the partner at Bird and Bird. And she is the uh, lead attorney uh, for the, um, the Sandbox a Blockchain Project. Um, good morning, all of you. Morning. Good morning. Morning. Yes. Excited to uh, to have you all here in the studio. Let's just start. I think we need to start just by building some context for the audience, of course, and just give a little bit of um, of background. But maybe Helen, if we started with you, would you just give us just a, a, sh a short intro, sort of how did you um, be introduced to the blockchain, and how did you kind of start realizing that this was uh, a technological innovation that that needed uh, serious consideration. Thank you, Andrew. That's that's a great uh, question. Actually, I, I came across blockchain really from a research and innovation angle. I was working with digital innovation in the European Commission's uh, uh, department that works with connectivity issues and, and, and digital policy. Um, and there we, we, we start to look into what blockchain could do um, uh, to advance you know, technology in, in general and, and interconnection between different technologies and uh, and service of people. And, and we set up a, um, a prize, actually a prize for research and innovation prize for what blockchain could do for public good. And that was around, I think, 2005, 15. 
Uh, and from there, we have developed different um, different initiatives from the Commission, both on research innovation, but also on on on, on regulation and and uh, very specific uh, initiatives around blockchain for um, EU. So European blockchain partnership, um, uh, the EU blockchain observatory, uh, uh, which gives knowledge, you know, spreads knowledge and, and shares knowledge. Uh, uh, as well as uh, the European Blockchain Services Infrastructure, which is a common uh, EU uh, project to actually deliver, uh, to develop and, and roll out uh, blockchain service infrastructure for public good. So those are a few, just a few uh, initiatives that start around 15, 16, 17, 18. And here we are, 23. And uh, you know, the, 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 the blockchain um, uh, development is going forward, although and we have seen some, some challenges recently. Uh, and uh, I think it's a good moment to take a bit stock of what we can do to help innovators, you know, advance with the technology. Yes, no, for sure. That's uh, wonderful. You've certainly seen many uh, various aspects of the technology and um, seen it at play. And at, to, to your point, it seems that not just in the EU, but globally, it seems like there is a taking of stock um, across the board on on the, the impact uh, that this technology will ultimately have on various markets uh, at large. Thank you so much for, for that introduction. Marjolin, I guess I would ask you sort of the same question. Uh, as an attorney, I'm sure that that um, you, you have a, a slightly different perspective and different use cases, but for, for you, when when was, was blockchain something that became a, a real serious matter of practice? Yeah, thanks a lot for the for the question. And um, uh, we have seen as, as, as a law firm uh, very much specialized in technology and, and digital sectors is an increasing number of blockchain and distributed ledger technology projects already for many years. Uh, our blockchain specialists, attorneys in the firm, have been working on blockchain projects already for 15 years. So that that is quite a long time. But what we have seen over the last, I would say, three to five years is an increasing number of those projects and also a, a, a broader spread of those projects across different industry sectors. So it, it started off perhaps, especially in the financial markets. But by now, that is by no means the only sector that is very relevant to blockchain. We have seen projects coming up across many sectors, logistics, supply chain management, energy and utilities, uh, health sector, automotive, you name it, government, of course, very important. Um, I've personally been uh, involved very, very much in blockchain for the last five years, I should say, uh, both from a governmental perspective and uh, from the private sector. And uh, well, it, I must say it's, um, it's, it's, it's a fantastic innovative uh, development. If you look at the possibilities that it creates, they, they are so impressive. But at the same time, of course, we see a lot of uh, regulatory challenges. So that is uh, why uh, we are also very excited to be involved in the Sandbox project of the European Commission. Yes, for sure. It is, uh, it, it, as a technology one of its great benefits around blockchain or the distributed ledger is, of course, its its scale uh, and the ability to to help facilitate uh, great efficiencies in a number of markets. 
But isn't that also the challenge with it? Uh, that it's because it's it's so broad, because it's uh, can affect so many different uh, markets. Uh, it becomes uh, very difficult to build a regulatory framework uh, around that. And I think to your point, Marjolyn, this is why uh, the sandbox is going to be so effective in helping us to uh, to see some of these things in in real practice. It's, it's exciting. And of course, Yuji, uh, you come to this sandbox from yet another perspective and, and perhaps um, one that is, uh, well, it's certainly equally important to see how the projects uh, are developing. So we'd love to uh, just ask you sort of the same question. When were you first sort of introduced to this and, and what brings you to this point today? Uh, I would say that, so Oxygy Consulting is, um, could be seen as a, the consulting arm or consulting partner of Bird and & Bird. Um, and very much on the same vein as Bird & Bird, we, have, uh, we are always interested in observing the developments in technology and seeing how we could adapt our consulting services to it. Um, and something that we've noticed across many of our clients that are found in many industries is, hey, they consider blockchain as a solution or as a tech um, technology that could respond to some of their challenges, as the challenges are very various and many that blockchain can respond to. But what we understand is there are some roadblocks, there's some obstacles um, to fully adopting or fully appreciating the potential of blockchain and solving those people's challenges. Um, and those roadblocks could be partly, partially answered by a clearer understanding of the regulatory landscape associated with blockchain. Um, so what's really exciting, um, having come into this project, is that we are part of this big effort um, that is led by European Commission in this case to make it um, easier to understand uh, the regulatory situation, regulatory landscape around blockchain. Also for regulators, it's easier for them to understand the full breadth and depth of blockchain applications today um, in the EU EEA. Um, and just being able to help develop the infrastructure, the system around blockchain, not only focusing on blockchain as a technology, um, is, is helpful because I think we're at that stage of the life cycle of this technology, where we now need to build a system around it as well. Absolutely, no, that's that's a great summation of uh, of that. This actually leads us in, Guji. You, you were maybe almost uh, playing the host there by leading us directly into the next uh, next question. So I really appreciate that. But Helen, I'd love to talk to you um, just sort of to get a, a, a sense, and if you could introduce, you know, perhaps some of our listeners aren't familiar with the sandbox project um, of kind of where it started, what are some of the things it's trying to to uh, accomplish, but maybe you could give us some context around uh, the sandbox. Yeah, sure, what, why the initiative came about and <clears throat> to follow on what, what Judy and Marjolaine said, I mean, we, we parallel to this, this uh, fascinating blockchain development and in terms of technology, uh, you also see um, you know, the, 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 the challenges around it, both in regulatory uh, understanding from both sides, but also there are, there are technological challenges. And um, we thought in particular, I mean, very important for, for the EU and the European Commission was to develop the capacity of the European ecosystem to, to take up this technology. Um, we saw an opportunity here that the EU had, had a pretty good position in, in terms of uh, uh, capability, but the understanding and, and it should be broader. Uh, and, and particularly, we wanted to help the SMEs. 
to uh, uh, nourish them and, and uh, accompany them. So it, the initiative came about actually when we thought about this from an SME perspective. We had a, we set out an SME strategy and we were thinking about different ways to help SMEs to um, to really uh, take the benefit of the single market you know, in EU. And uh, since we were working here from my perspective on, on technology and blockchain, we thought, why, why don't we why don't we set up a regulatory sandbox for SMEs to uh, really be able to adapt this technology and, and um, use that sort of mechanism, which is a regulatory innovation, basically a regulatory innovation um, process to, um, to have a discussion with regulators around blockchain technology and the regulatory framework around it for their particular services, for what they're trying to solve the problems they're trying to solve for for their uh, clients and, and, and see how we can help help them to uh, you know, accompany them to to an understanding how their service is best deployed uh, in the EU. And, and at the same time, as, as we have already really gone into, regulators uh, give them a better understanding on, on where this technology is going because, because there's not much regulation actually covering. At the time, that was around 2020, and then and we just had started to think about Mika. You know, so it was, uh, it was about that. And so the initiative was... Uh, the commissions who said should set up a regulatory sandbox around blockchain, uh, in particular targeting um, small and medium-sized enterprises, and that's what we have done. That's wonderful. What are some of the, what are some of the objectives or or even timelines that have been set forward for the sandbox? Yeah, I mean, we we, we just basically uh, are in the beginning of the first cycle of the sandbox. Uh, we started beginning of this year in earnest, you know, really setting up the parameters uh, and the rules around the sandbox um, to make it comfortable and, and um, you know, that both regulators and uh, enterprises can go in with confidence and, and, and share information that could be confidential because we are talking about close to market services. So it's very important, I think, here. Uh, we have had excellent support by the consortia, Bird and Bird, uh, and Oxygen to really draw up the parameters and and, and make it very very robust uh, that you can you can uh, rely on. Uh, and so that was a lot of work actually doing setting up that first. And then we have launched this first call for expression of interest to um, to innovators to enter the sandbox. Um, and that was uh, with a deadline in in April. Uh, after that, now when there's been a, a process of evaluating, and we had an enormous interest uh, to for innovators to um, to attend the sandbox, um, very very positive uh, uh, reply and uh, to that. So we had quite a bit of work to actually select them. Um, the twenty that will be the first cohort to uh, enter the sandbox this year, and there will be three consecutive years of uh, of this sort of um, um, process. So. The, the 20 innovators enter sandbox together with the regulators, and then there's uh, there's a lot of prepare, preparation as well. But I would let actually Marjolaine talk more about that because she she uh, she's the master of that. Sure. Yeah. No, that's great. So 20 uh, 20 projects were selected. Will there be 20 in each consecutive year, or do you see that um, with, with with success of the project? I'm I'm assuming. Do you see that expanding to larger numbers? No, I mean the, we have we have uh, set out uh, 
course, we always would like to be able to accommodate, but of course, we have a, a certain project and a budget to respect. Uh, so, so 20 each year is, uh, is what we are set up to do. There are other sandboxes actually uh, being uh, formed right now. I mean, I think we, we can discuss a little bit on, on our, uh, the pilot, for example, around Mika. Um, but uh, we also have a uh, sandbox for artificial intelligence in the European Commission being set up now. So we have different places we can direct innovators to. But this is particularly for blockchain. And we, we kind of kept it focused and sharp so that we can manage this because the first is the first of a kind, actually. This is the first of a kind pan-European sandbox. And we, we, we have done it for blockchain. So it's, it's, it's to be able to have a, a clear scope and then... The idea is also to evaluate, you know, afterwards what the experience is, both for uh, the innovators and the regulators. Perhaps to 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 add uh, to the great explanation by uh, by Helen that actually this sandbox has has two main main objectives. I I would say the first is to have these dialogues, confidential dialogues between the blockchain use case owners on the one hand and. Uh, the relevant regulators, on the other hand, in a confidential setting, about the uh, the interpretation and implementation of existing regulations, could be very different areas of regulation, by the way. But the other element is that those dialogues will result in best practices and lessons learned, and uh, those will become available for the wider blockchain community. Um, and these will also be made public. So, um, and and then uh, the fact that we have these three cohorts, um, that is very helpful. 20 use cases in a cohort is, by the way, quite a substantial number uh, because for each use case, we have uh, one to three regulators. So uh, from across the EU EEA, the use case owners are coming from across the EU EEA. So we have actually quite a spread there. And as also the regulation is in under construction and in development, uh, the fact that we have three different cohorts in three consecutive years enables us to actually build in the second and the third cohort on experiences and developments in regulation of that that in the meantime are taking place. So um, the whole setup is actually um, uh, very much helpful to, um, to, to identifying the regulatory challenges in different regulatory areas and also, perhaps even more importantly, to find out where the solutions can be. Yes. No, that's very, very important. Yuji, you want to jump in on, on a comment there? Yes. Uh, so so the, the formalization of this process of the discussions over the three years will be that at the end of each year um, and at the end of all three years uh, will be published um, best practices and uh, learnings from the discussions that were taking place. So the learnings, once they have been anonymized and analyzed, will be uh, converted into a document that will be presented to a large pool of regulators across the EU and EEA um, and also to European regulators. Um, so uh, very much at the end of these three years will be produced this very important document which summarizes our understanding of the blockchain ecosystem's uh, interaction with the regulation um, and the kind of legal issues that have been surfaced as a result of these discussions. 
um, also some of the solutions, as Marjolaine mentioned, um, that were discussed. Um, there are no commitments being made in, in the cadre of this uh, of this project, but um, this is why it's a sandbox. So there are many solutions that are being investigated and looked into, uh, and that's going to be super important because, uh, as we know, um, blockchain regulation is 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 not something that is that that is a question of one or two years but it will be a big topic for the many years to come. Right. No, for sure. And, and Marjolaine, do you see the, the distribution of that, of those learnings of that information? I mean, you know, obviously there, there will be a culmination point after these three years where there'll be a big release, but do you see a dissemination of, of learnings uh, coming even before the end of the project? And, and perhaps are there, are there mile markers along the way? Yeah, yes, because after every cohort, so uh, at the end of each year, there will be a best practices report and lessons learned. So it will not be that the community does not have to wait for for three years, which is uh, well, a very, very long time uh, for the first uh, results that will already be uh, at the end of this year uh, is, is our current uh, uh, expectation, actually. Um, and it will, um, because it's, I don't know whether that is too early to, to start on that topic, but um, um, uh, regulatory areas, that in itself is a kind of uh, a, a, a big question because they're, they're actually uh, we distinguish more or less between three categories of regulation. The first category of regulation is generic regulation that is already applicable across all industry sectors like data protection, uh, digital identity regulation, consumer uh, uh, law, uh, uh, you name it, um, that has not been designed for distributed ledger technologies, but still is applicable to blockchain uh, uh, blockchain project and blockchain uh, innovators uh, if, the, if the criteria are fulfilled. That's the first category. The second category is more sector-specific. So specific regulation in energy and utilities, in telecoms, in supply chain uh, management. Um, th that is specific for those areas of, uh, of, of, of blockchain application. But there is now a third category, and that is DLT specific, so blockchain specific regulation. And, and that is, of course, also very important, but we have these, these three areas in a combination of EU-wide and national and so that is quite the thing if you are an SME to uh, to, to to find your way uh, in, 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 in those areas. And uh, uh, so for that is a very helpful project. But we also what we hope to do with these best practices and lessons learned is actually also to 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 make sure that industry sectors are learning from each other, that lessons learned in one area of regulation can perhaps be helpful in 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 other areas of regulation yes yeah no that's that's excellent to understand the 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 scope and the outcome of of exactly what will be uh, taking place i'm curious what what were the types of projects and some of the the requirements or qualifications that you were looking for in adding these projects into the sandbox um, yeah, thanks a lot uh, for 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 asking the question. Um, uh, we went through 
a whole application and selection process because we had this a large number of uh, of application and there needs to be a, a selection. So what we did, uh, and that was already at the start of the project, we published on the project website the selection criteria for applications uh, uh, to uh, to select the uh, the, uh, the project that would participate in the first cohort. Um, apart from eligibility criteria, uh, the, the important award criteria are maturity of the business case. Uh, and and, and uh, the reason behind that is that uh, uh, the, the project is there for, uh, for use cases that, that are already almost on the market or on the market. So not pure theory behind the desk. Um, so maturity of the business case was the first one. The second one is novel regulatory topics, um, uh, 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 because the sandbox is it's a regulatory sandbox. So 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 there should be a focus on regulatory topics that especially are relevant across industry sectors or across different countries, EU and EEA countries, and the third. Award criterion was relevance and contribution to the wider EU policy uh, uh, objectives, such as uh, ESG, uh, environment, uh, uh, data, etc. Very, very good. Yeah, and I, I can imagine, uh, as you have all, all said, there was great interest. I know that there is a number of great projects um, that are there that are that are would, would of course be very interested in participating in this. Uh, and UTU, I, I, th- I think, explained there or have come to understand that there is perhaps even some uh, early data that has been um, released, maybe e- even uh, today yes. or, or coming soon. Uh, yes. So actually, as of uh, the recording day today, um, we just published a news item detailing a little bit more about the constitution of those um, pre-selected use cases for the first cohort. Um, so, in fact, um, we're really pleased to note that across uh, all of the EU EA regions, um, we have at least, uh, I think, try, I'm trying to remember exact number, but we have um, several use cases uh, that are operational in all uh, of the uh, EU regions. Um, so every region is covered. Um, and so we're really pleased to know this because not only is blockchain something of concern for all of the EU regions, but also regulators from across the regions are also very much interested in participating in these discussions and dialogues. So we're, we're, we have a, a match, a, a place for many regulators who would like to get involved. And we know that there are many also from that side that want to get involved. Now, also, um, it's, it's an impressive number of applications, uh, you know, close to 100 applications, actually, um, because our criteria for selection was quite strict. Uh, we know that there are many blockchain projects that aren't validated proofs of concept. That's the sort of line where we drew in terms of maturity of the business case. Um, and so those who have achieved that, le- that level, there is only a certain amount uh, across the EU that have achieved that level. Um, and so that's the, reason, that's the reason why we're pretty happy about, these, about, about this. Um, in terms of the kinds of projects that have been in, uh, have entered the sandbox, um, there's a nice spread also in terms of industry sectors. So we're very pleased to see that to note that it's not only, as you mentioned at the beginning of this talk, 
um, financial services or um, uh, you know fintech related applications. Um, but it is also about uh, transportation. It's about telecoms. It's also about the preservation of artwork uh, and and various different um, use cases that we have observed uh, and that we have seen apply to to this sandbox. And and we've made sure that a good spread of those also exists in the um, selection of the final pre-selected use cases. Um, and then in terms of the blockchain use cases themselves, um, it's not only companies that have developed their own blockchain. Um, so strict blockchain technology companies, um, but it's also companies that utilize blockchain as a core part of their business, but not necessarily creating that blockchain themselves. Um, so a, a nice sort of analog that I like to use that's non-tech is you imagine like a technology, the newspaper technology, like a newspaper. Um, yeah, sure. We have newspapers and publishers on our platform. We also have companies specialized in ads for the newspaper, companies specialized in the delivery of those newspapers. So we have the whole the whole lot. And I think that was something we really wanted to include in the selection criteria to, to, to note that blockchain is an ecosystem and not just a specific um, market. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, that's that's um, that's very good. I'm curious, Marjolin, this sandbox uh, um, sounds novel. It sounds um, really, uh, obviously, as we had sort of mentioned previously, perhaps uh, historic in its scope and uh, objectives for sure. But how does this sandbox in particular uh, distinguish from the DLT pilot that the EC launched in uh, 2022? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, the, um, the, the DLT pilot regime is actually a specific, a specific regulation for DLT pilot cases. So that is actually regulation that is introduced uh, where, uh, where parties could, could, uh, could use and, 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 and comply with. That is not a sandbox. It is a new area of regulation with certain accept, uh, exemptions from uh, from existing regulation but but specific regulation for DLT our sandbox is about the interpretation and the implementation of existing regulation so even the application of the DLT pilot regime could be a topic for our sandbox because it's the application of this specific DLT specific area of regulation. So the two are actually uh, uh, not two of the same, but they are complementary. <laughs> and in 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 the, the 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 first group of selected companies, we we also have examples of parties who have questions about the application, the interpretation of the DLT pilot regime. So that's interesting. If if I may, because there is the, the the reason why this is specific, the use case is specific, is actually it's it's uh, there, there's more reasons for that. The the, the first is it's it's uh, across different countries. It's also across different industry sectors. But it is also a, across different groups of companies. And perhaps I should have mentioned that before, but. We in in our selection process we make a distinction between four different categories of companies that can participate. 
We have micro enterprises, we have small enterprises, we have other enterprises, could be very big enterprises, and we have public entities. There's four lots, and actually each lot has five spaces. And so that, that also means that the, the, if you look at the result of this first cohort, it's not only SME or only large companies, there is also a spread amongst different sizes of companies, and there's also public entities that uh, that have been uh, selected as part of the first cohort. I think that's extremely valuable from a perspective of gathering useful data, uh, right, across uh, various spectrums. I, I appreciate what UG also added, where the the geographic diversity is is properly represented across the EU EA. Uh, and then of course the various um, sectors and and sizes of business uh, I cannot imagine being the group trying to write down uh, the the qualifications and then also trying to uh, weed through the over 100 uh, applicants must have been uh, an extremely challenging uh, project so hats off to to those folks that were able to uh, to, to to make that uh, something of, of a success there, curious where where do you think the the regulatory framework uh, for crypto and and really blockchain is is headed in the EU, uh, and and I think more specifically, how does this sandbox weigh into those discussions? You know, what's what's the connection between the work that's going to be done in the sandbox? and the ongoing work that's being done um, around the the regulatory framework. I'm not sure, Marjolyn or Yuji, if if you guys have uh, thoughts on that. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And actually, this is in particular also for Helen to to comment on, but uh, um, uh, happy to share my my thoughts. Um, I think uh, this whole sandbox and the outcome of the dialogues will be very, very valuable for understanding where the challenges and the solutions are in existing uh, uh, regulation, uh, probably also on areas where additional regulation would be helpful, actually, to to, 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 to make the most of all these fantastic blocks, blockchain applications. And then it is, of course, all the lessons learned and the best practices are also available for EU legislators. So uh, 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 it's it's there to uh, to to be used and 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 um, uh, and, and help going forward. Um, but um, uh, um, I must say, already the conversation that we are having right now uh, make it very clear that uh, th- that there is a lot that different stakeholders um, and different sectors can uh, can learn from each other. Absolutely. Helen, I think you, um, you know, I, I think obviously you're, you're probably uh, on the panel, the one that's sitting most over the regulatory conversation and, and how the sandbox and the learnings from it will impact um, re- regulation going forward. But what are, what are some of your hopes that, that come out of the, from, from a learning perspective from the sandbox and, and impact the regulatory conversation? I mean, since uh, we had this kind of lucky situation that we, we started with the sandbox at uh, the same time as the Mika uh, regulation went out. Um, we, we will have be able to have this feedback loop between what's happening in the sandbox and the experience there into how Mika is actually working uh, for innovators um, and, and blockchain-based companies. 
Um, so, and of course, Mika is not the end, as we have you know alluded to. I mean, the whole black blockchain space is still so innovative, and and going forward, we have areas like DeFi that, of course, we, everyone is looking into right now. There are pieces of of, of blockchain technology which is excluded from Mika, like NFTs. You know, so so there there will be possibilities, and actually, since we have this fantastic intersection of different uh, industries and. And, and ways of working with blockchain, we will be able to inform, um, at least get a very good overview of where, where industry is going in, in, in Europe on, on this and how the existing regulatory framework is, is you know, fit for purpose and then be able to feed into the, those other discussions. And it's not actually not only on sort of follow-up um, regulation to, uh, to Mika. And it could also be informing other areas like data, the, we are working on a data act for the moment in, in the EU as well to um, to look into how to unlock all this um, big amount of data that are in IoT devices and so on and, and um, you know help sharing that in, in, in business processes in industry. So that that is also there. I think that we have seen in those use cases that were selected that was a very interesting area of regulation for the innovators. And then of course we have the AI regulation as well. So all this is sort of linked, and, and uh, it's true that that the EU has gone through a quite a massive um, period of um, putting in place regulation in the last two years. I don't think we ever had such a big, <laughs> let's say, production of um, you know regulation in in data in, in sorry in digital policies the last uh, year. So it is challenging. It's good. We, we do need to help the, um, the the ecosystem and the innovators navigate this. And also regulators, I think that we all need to understand the interdependencies of these different regulations. That, that I think, I hope, you know, my hope is that this uh, European blockchain sandbox will be able to um, help that. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a very interesting point and it has been a discussion that we've talked about where um, innovation seems to be, and, and of course, as the nature of innovation is, increasing uh, rapidly, and uh, we're reaching, uh, as you have just said, Helen, a, a convergence of multiple uh, various technologies that that suddenly seem to be a very uh, connected. It seems to me like in in Web two, you had sort of a you know standard issues, whether it would be uh, data or you know perhaps um, you know social or or various things like that. Whereas in Web3, it seems like there is a, a whole new set of um, potential challenges from a regula- regulator's perspective. Uh, and, you know, I think that that, that is uh, one of the really key pieces uh, that, that seems to me that can come out of the sandbox is to not only uh, inform the, the current regulation, but also, Helen, as you had just mentioned, see where perhaps there are some blind spots or, or learn about uh, new areas that perhaps just weren't considered because the technology hasn't been fully developed. Um, is that something that that's also a part of the the, the pathway here for regulators? Yeah, I, I, I would hope so. I mean, the, this is clearly, I think, one of the reasons you would set up a sandbox. And I mean, we have seen different sandboxes in a you know, national context being set up. Um, but as, as come back to that, this is the first pan-European one, and it the, the idea is also really to help um, to help not have a fragmented, you know, regulatory sandbox uh, regulatory, uh, situation. And 
that's why Amica was there. That's why I think we also have other uh, regulations in place to avoid this fragmentation that doesn't help innovators roll out services across a, a market. You know? So, so indeed, um, I, I, yeah, indeed, it, it it should inform the, um, the the sort of roadmap of future regulation as well. Um, so we hope that this best practices report that that comes every year would would you know would, would be we will of course make sure that they're as much spread as possible um, communicated so that everyone can learn from that. For sure, no, absolutely. Also interesting that the that at this time you know of course blockchain has been on the table as as you folks know for a number of years, and now rapidly of course the rise of AI. I don't know if it's possible to hold a podcast today and not mention AI <laughs> at, at some level. It seems to be a part of every conversation. It seems to be uh, included in all these things, but certainly, um, especially from a, a distributed ledger technology, seem like there's a great overlap, perhaps even in in you know, the, the merging of those technologies and regulating one or the other um, seems exciting. Yuji, are there, are there reasons or benefits for the projects or, or companies that are joining the sandbox and like what what is could you give us just a sense kind of of, of what's happening on their side are, are, are these projects excited about it or are, are they sort of hesitant about it give us a sense of where they're at um so in terms of the benefits that use cases would have in joining this project um i think so we've gone through uh, quite a massive campaign of um, talking to many use cases over the past um, few months, the months before the deadline of the application mid-April. Um, and there was no shortage of excitement, uh, let me assure you, in terms of wanting to join this uh, sandbox from the use case side. I think the general feeling was that um, they're very happy to see that this step has been taken at the public level um, because... Uh, uh, th there was an expectation and a need, definitely, to have discussions with, um, quote unquote, the other side, right? It's quote unquote, because everyone's on the same side. Um, but uh, just the ability to understand better the regulatory landscape, which is one of the big risk factors today in terms of running a blockchain-based business. Um, and then the ability to speak with the people, the practitioners in the regulatory space is just an incredible benefit um, and very rare if you're not a large company, they're having access via lobbyists. It's just not possible. Um, and so someone in the SME situation would have the chance to speak. The fact that it's free, of course, free legal advice from Bird and Bird, one of the best technology firms in the world, <laughs> uh, is amazing. <laughs> um, and, and I think uh, as a third point, um, participation in this sandbox is not a given. It's actually very selective, as, as we've mentioned before. And so just having this as a green flag to stakeholders, like investors in, in those blockchain companies, um, is an amazing signal to send out that the blockchain company is not only focused on um, technological development, which is important, but also in making sure that they manage the risks of running a blockchain company. Um, and part of those risks involves uh, being authorized and able to run the business in the way that you plan to run it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. So we're uh, we're running right up on our time. Let me just conclude with just one simple question, um, one for 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 each of you. Uh, what what is sort of the one takeaway that you are sort of personally interested in 
you know, I, obviously we talked about some of the larger takeaways and, and bigger things, but what is something that uh, on a personal level you're, you're looking at with, with curiosity kind of saying, I wonder, you know, what, what we're going to learn about this area. Um, maybe Yuji, why don't you go first and we'll go Marjolin and Helen. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to understand um, how the, in, in, hmm, let me just rephrase this maybe, um, how the discussions are going to start between use cases and regulators and how they will evolve once they better understand each other's perspectives and each other's ways of working. I think there's going to be a big evolution in terms of those who are involved in the projects and that by the end of the projects, they will understand the language with which they need to speak in order to um, work productively with the other side. And I think that is already, in a, in a certain sense, an incredible education that we are providing. Yeah. That's great. Marceline. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, first of all, I'm hugely inspired by the fact that this is such a fantastic European project. What we have uh, seen in, uh, in in this first phase when uh, preparing the application process with, with engaging with regulators is that it, this is really a joint effort from stakeholders in the European Union and the uh, European Economic Area. Uh, and that is a, a fantastic project to be part of and then looking at it a bit more from the legal perspective the fact that we are able to hopefully contribute to regulation that works that is consistent that is effective and that can be applied in an efficient way well that is just a a, a fantastic uh, a project to, uh, to to work on and 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 uh, and to uh, well we will work very hard to make that work actually right so no that's excellent excellent helen how would you answer that those are already two two excellent uh, uh, outcomes that I, I i would also like to see but okay what can i add i think that we also uh, have a very good uh, snapshot and um, um, sample of projects that comes in Europe as well in build on blockchain technology and I think one of the challenges we've seen before is that it's been so much focused on financial services and we want this you know, larger spread across sectors uh, of uh, utilizing blockchain I think that this this sandbox can also give us a better overview on how you can use blockchain in different industries and, and what the challenges of different industries are deployed um, in the EU uh, and of course, I, I have to come back what you you just say. I think it's a fantastic learning experience for everyone uh, that that enters here. Uh, of course, it takes some time. You know, you have to to put some effort into it, but you you will probably be rewarded a lot with what you learn or participating. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, the time uh, and and input. We are very excited about this project. Thank you to each of you for the, the time and effort that you put into helping make this sandbox a reality. Uh, like I said, I think you are uh, truly impacting the, the course of history. And so it's, it's an amazing thing. Um, for our listeners, if you are interested uh, in learning more about the sandbox, please visit blockchain-sandbox.eu um, to learn more about the project. Yuji, Marjolin, Helen, um, you have been wonderful guests full of knowledge. I have one one request that at, at, at touch points along the way, perhaps we could circle back and 
uh, learn more and see how, how this very important project is going. would love to check in with you folks along the way. So uh, we look forward to that in future, uh, future episodes. Again, thank you so much and hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed our Hootenanny. Thank you for listening. For more hopeful and hype-free resources, visit owlexplains.com. There, you will find articles, quizzes, practical explainers, suggested reading materials, and lots more. Also, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn to continue wising up on blockchain and Web3. That's all for now on Owl Explains. Until next time.